Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Flats. We are live. Thanks for coming in, joining us today. It's been uh, a while coming and good to get you both in. First of all, I've got to thank our sponsor, Capital Brewing, for uh, supporting the show and supporting all of uh, all of what we do on the channel. So thank you very much. Cheers to you guys. And uh, guys, it's been an interesting few months. Things are starting to open up again. Uh, dance floors are returning. How's it been uh, for you guys the last few weekends? Well, maybe I'll start from a DJ perspective yeah. and you can talk from a business perspective. How yeah. that work? Yeah, By the way, we probably should say, first of all, congratulations on the uh, Academy Doco. It's, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it, man. No, no it was a pleasure. You, you came and saw me perhaps uh, like a year and a half ago to do that interview. Yeah. And even then I was excited to, to see what would come out of it. And I, it's beyond my expectations, so congratulations on it. Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. It's been a lot of fun putting together. Yeah, and while we're patting people on the back, I should probably also say, Jared's more than a resident of Academy. He was running the place for for quite some time. Very was technically true. my boss for a long time, so I had to behave. <laughs> <laughs> but getting to your question, um, yeah, it's great. Look, from a DJ perspective, uh, and I'm sure I speak for all the DJs out there, whether they're the club DJs or whether they're lounge or and bar DJs, it's been so great to have uh, you know, Canberra open back up again. And the nicer thing too is not only have the venues kind of jumped on of having you know entertainment back on very quickly, but also the support of the patrons has been fantastic. The vibe was just instant and people are still being very respectful of the rules that needed to be in place and still partly are. Um, but overall, it's just been fantastic. So I'm, I'm just glad that it's really picked up and everyone's pretty excited. How, how are you seeing it from your side? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar. Like it's like boomed Im immediately. Like as soon as, soon as restrictions ease, like, yeah. I mean, the first week where it was very still tight restrictions people were sort of a bit unsure but then as soon as these the two square meter rule came in and just went crazy like customers trying to book you know you know i'm sure people will be lining up to get into clubs like mm. especially nightclubs like it's crazy that you know they haven't been able to go out in that long i, I just couldn't even imagine being in that situation like yeah. from a dj not being able to play for that you know for months and yeah very, very interesting times, but hopefully it's over. There's a lot of pent-up energy, right? <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's coming yeah. out. Yeah. You'd be lining up tunes for months, like <laughs> yeah. you're ready to go. It's very true. Because, yeah, the, the last time I think I saw you, actually, we, we were filming at the uh, Fiction during the last lockdown mm. as it was just opening up and you were playing sit-down shows to uh, crowds in... Uh, <laughs> Did you play sit-down shows? In uh, Fiction. Yeah. Wow. So it's come a long way. I think it's been a bit of a roller coaster. But I think they booked me because I was the be. only DJ that would be guaranteed not to make anyone dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the, um, that's right. We, that was exactly we went we went down that one. It was the first. I think I played three or four sets. That they, they that was the very first weekend they opened back up again, and the restrictions were such that people could only could only sit mm. and they would enjoy drinks, and it was mm. such a weird but awesome experience having a dance floor full of tables with people sitting around them with drinks and you can just see in their legs and everything else warning like, you know <laughs> and i was keeping the tempo and, and the songs that i was playing at such a level to not overdo it so it wasn't just torture you know i was just teasing people but but that was that and yeah you were there right till the very end yeah so it was, it was really interesting to see mm. and it was great because they were they were actually doing um 
shifts, like there was two hour blocks and then they'd clear the entire yeah. club out and then the next DJ and the next group would come in. Yeah. But it's, I think everyone's happy that that's uh, over now <laughs> and we're back to the dance floors. Yeah. I could imagine too that you'd know probably a lot more than I would about this, but there probably have been so many bookings that got cancelled of touring DJs and stuff. So yeah. now I'm presuming there's this huge choice for clubs to actually pick and choose from different acts that are touring, right? I think so. Like, yeah, I, 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 I haven't been in that situation before, so I don't know. But I imagine like artists would be so keen to, you know, play gigs again. So you'd have, I'd feel like an open market to try and, you know, get as much as you can, obviously within Australia at the moment and then in, eventually internationally. But, um, yeah, you think not only are DJs super keen to play and play any show they can because they haven't been able to play in so long, but, you know, obviously clubs trying to get as many DJs as they can and the best that they possibly can mm. any time. So it's good to see, like, you know, sometimes it, when I was there, especially like getting some of the best DJs was hard because they were booked out, you know, for months in advance. Um so hopefully that means like they've got more options though. Yeah. Are you, are you glad you're out of the nightclub game now before uh, COVID came? Oh, I mean, I'm still in hospitality, so it's not much better. But, yeah. Um, you miss it? Uh, like parts of it. I just, I got to a point where I just couldn't keep up anymore. You know, I, I was never a late night person anyway. Um, and just DJing in nightclubs was just, getting to a point where I just didn't love it anymore mm. and it became a chore and became hard. Um, getting up one o'clock in the morning to go into the club, like I just got to a point, yeah, I didn't didn't love it anymore. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, parts of it though I do really miss, you know, um, but the other parts I don't. <laughs> and also I guess getting out of the festivals too because that was a bit of a nightmare through this period too, by yeah. the sound of it. yeah. And because uh, you had a bit a bit to do with the foreshore festivals and Kicks Entertainment as that was coming up, how how was that experience? As in, you know, getting out of it, or well, let's start at the start. But when when you were doing it and it was going off, and we, we touched on it in the docker that it was kind of came at a time when festivals were ramping up, and everyone was loving them, and that yeah. that was the biggest one in Canberra by far. Yeah. Oh, I mean. At the time, it was awesome. Yeah, it was so much fun being being part of something that you really enjoy. Um, but like as the years went past, and you know, as you get older, you start seeing from a different perspective. Like when you're in the business side of it, or you know, in the running of the actual festival, you start to realise that actually festivals aren't as much fun as you think they might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you just see the kind of the worst parts of it as well. And, you know, there's there's also obviously there's some really great highlights, but there's lowlights that a lot of people don't realise. And, you know, when you see, a, you know, a highlight clip of a festival, it all looks magic, you know, it looks amazing. You know, everyone's dancing, having smiling, having fun, but you don't see some of the other parts of it and how much work goes in, um, you know, long, long days. Um, but I like, I don't regret it at all. It was awesome at the time. Um, but it was very similar to nightclubs. You just get to a point where you, I guess I lost the love and energy mm. for it. And, and when I was doing it, I, it didn't feel like a job. It just felt like um, something that I really enjoyed and I would do it almost for free, like if I could. But it got to a point where I felt like, oh, i got to go. i got to do this. i got to do another, you know, 18-hour day, you know, to do this. 
and you just start, you know, losing that love for it and it becomes a real chore and, and same with DJing. And I just realised I don't want to do it if it's a chore because I only, I only ever started doing it because I loved it. And, you know, once you get to that point, I just decide, no, I, I should just give it up and do something different. Yeah. Um, but I, I still do enjoy it and I, I still like to go to a gig here and there, but I'm never on the dance floor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's one of those things too that, Music and getting into DJing is very much a passion thing, right? Yeah. So that's the thing that fuels your DJ career. And the moment you lose the passion, it then just becomes a job. And yeah. DJing as a job isn't exactly all that great. It's bad hours, yeah. probably not exactly great pay, conditions are a bit questionable, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. So I, I think in that respect, unless you have passion sitting behind it, you do eventually kind of say, you know what, I'm going to exit out of it. But at least... Not all DJing is DJing. There is, like you said, you know, there is the nightclub DJs. And you're, you're very right. You start doing 2 to 4 a.m. sets. And at first that's a good idea. Then after a couple of years you're thinking, I don't think I can do this anymore. But that doesn't mean that you can't move into other gigs. And I still DJ every weekend. But that's yeah. more on the loungy tip because I like that. And it's, yeah. it can sustain that and that works well. And it's also a movement of people, you want to sometimes give up your spot for someone that really wants to be there. And if you just hold on too long, it just seems a bit selfish. Yeah. And I'm sure you had that thinking too. I, I remember calling you up when I was thinking of finishing at Academy and like talking you through it. Yeah. And and you said, I know it's really hard, but you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, you're like almost helping me make the decision <laughs> in, in many ways. So I'm, yeah. I'm just impressed that you're still able to keep playing. Like, you know, you're obviously... I think your passion for the music side of things um, continues where I think for me it sort of fizzled out a little bit, maybe because I was more involved in the business side of it. So I, where I wasn't just a DJ, I think maybe that passion would have stayed a bit longer, but mm. because I was in the business side of it, I think it started to fizzle out eventually. Mm. Um, and realised I thought maybe my future is not just DJing. Like I thought mm, I probably enjoy this side a bit more. Um, but, yeah, I kind of... Every now and then I'm like, get on this, like, oh, I love this tune. Oh, I found this. You, know, you get a little spark. Like, oh, mm. Maybe I could play a set again. Like, yeah. And then I realized, oh, no, that's too much work. Yeah. But you know, the, the other side of it too is you're right. The passion is, is there for me and that's the driver. It's also very much a professional hobby, not a job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other side of it is because I produce my own music, there, there's a world around it attached to it that, yeah. that is really important to me. Actually, I'll tell you something funny about um, festivals. I, I've actually never said this before, but when we used to do like Foreshore and, and the Warehouse ones as well, um, I'd go to them, do my set, hang around to say hello to all the people I knew, other DJs, the promoters, friends, and I would always go home early and people would find that really weird and, and say, what's <laughs> How come you're not hanging around? Like so sensible. There is on, I don't know. There is something about big crowds that I don't feel that comfortable in. So I'm absolutely fine being on stage. This is going to sound so strange. On stage with the audience being in front, and that could be thousands of people. Are you for sure? No problem, right? Yeah. But if you put me in that crowd, I start feeling slightly uneasy about the mass of people, and I'm a short guy. I can easily get trampled. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not joking about that, but it's, I am a short guy, but I said my own, but, but the truth is I, I, I knew where my place was and yeah, being a punter for a very long time at a festival has never been my thing. So yeah. I love seeing friends talking about music, being there for a highlight and then exiting out, Yeah, which, yeah. 
interesting. And do you think the the way that you've sort of kept that passion is by doing all the other things you, you've uh, been working on, like a podcast yourself, um, which ha- touches on music, but is a much broader topic as well, mm-hmm. and uh, and the writing you do for her Canberra and stuff has that kept you kind of uh, yeah passionate in in that sense too. Yeah. So if you asked me that question quite a few years ago, I would have said they're all different things, you know. But what's interesting is if I look at the things that I do, they all are in the same ball of essentially creative communications is what I would call it. It sounds wanky. But music is a form and and DJing is a form of communicating essentially music to somebody else for a particular purpose, either enjoyment or dancing or what have you or creating a mood. The writing is no different. You're telling a story and but it's just for a different type, you know, and words come to life and then they bring meaning and all the rest of it. The podcast, same thing. Um, Jared was was a guest as well. And even though I know Jared really well, in that conversation we kind of delved into his thinking about business, which I thought was really, really interesting. And, you know, you learn more about that. There's a story behind that which enriches you. So it all makes sense. And, yes, I guess all of that kind of relates to each other. And even though writing for her camera for the home stories and DJing would seem slightly different things that are about communicating with human beings and having some kind of engagement with them. So, yeah. And it keeps it interesting, like you're not doing the same thing every night yeah. uh, and, you know, you're do, finding other ways to kind of do it. So it's it's really cool. And the podcast is awesome. If you haven't, if you're watching and you haven't listened, go check it out. Thanks Behind the, the bio, it's, it's awesome. Probably one of the best podcasts in Canberra, I reckon. Um, I haven't paid him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. How, how, how yeah. many beers have you had? Yeah. <laughs> um, what's that experience been like? What What have you learned from those? Uh, you've been talking to some pretty amazing people there. So how's that yeah. experience been? Well, there's a couple of, and a very generic level, I'll probably say that it's it's amazing that a small place like Canberra, tight-knit place, has no shortage of really great talent and, and really and interesting some that people. comes up all the time, oh, like yeah. how much Canberra's got going for it. It really yeah. does. So, so that's that's first thing. I'm not limited ever in terms of who I'd like to reach out to. If I'd like to think of business people, creatives, scientists, what have you, there's, they're by the buckets here. So that's that. Two is um, I've learned that people are actually by far more receptive and care more than I thought they would about listening to other people's stories. It's a big ask to have somebody listen to a podcast for an hour about somebody's life journey in terms of their professional kind of thing. But, you know, the listeners love it. That's going really well. So it means that people care. In other words, we are actually engaged with each other, which is kind of cool because it means Canberra's got that, you know, one degree of separation and we actually know and care for each other. So that's that. And on a personal level, I think the insight has been that we're all human beings and no matter how successful somebody seems on the outside... You know, we've all got ups and downs and we make mistakes and we learn from them. And what's really great is that if we really tune into that, we can be wiser and make wiser decisions in the future based on the things that other people have done. Mm-hmm. So I find that fun. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a great experience. Yeah, awesome. And I want to talk about the doco. Um, I haven't spoken to you about it yet your reaction just briefly on on a few messages what was it like uh seeing some of that old footage again from uh the early days yeah. probably 0405 even 
uh, when that uh, came out. Yeah. I mean, apart from the exceptionally questionable haircuts and weird choices in T-shirts and things. <laughs> but hey. Everyone was in the same boat I there. I was going to say, we're yeah. all keeping up with fashion. That's what we should be doing, right? I mean, clearly um, Jared and I got the memo today about sweat tops and blues. So, um, But you know what was interesting about it? If I've watched a lot of documentaries on music in the past, you know, things from the 70s and, and stuff from the 80s and also um, things from the rave culture. And when I look at, at that, it always seems very dated. I'm like, man, it seems ancient. But what really hit me about the doco is that looking back to that time, which is not that long ago, it actually it actually seems like quite a long time ago. I know. Ago, I in, felt in way, the same way. I'm like, yeah. wow, are we that... Are we into that retro and how quickly that's happened? You, mm-hmm. know? <laughs> you look so, so young there. No, he's, he's got a special effect. <laughs> he looks young the, there. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a special effect on the. But he hasn't aged as well at the yeah, same right, time. You, yeah, you literally yeah. haven't changed. <laughs> Just the hair. <laughs> Considering the amount of nights I've spent in the academy, I would have thought I would have been aging yeah. much quicker. Yeah, but that's yeah. The, the funny thing about that is the, the time sort of thing was that when you tell, when I was telling people oh, I'm making a docker on that, people were like, oh, that didn't that only close like a couple of years ago? Like, why would you do something so soon? But you had to do it now, otherwise it would all get lost because uh, those tapes would go. Um, so in that sense, it's cool to kind of do something a bit more recent than, mm. you know, the look back on the 70s that you normally see. But it was really fun to to go through this sort of stuff and mm. and learn a bit about uh, the early days of camera. Yeah, indeed. I think it would have been, I mean, it's interesting too because if I think of your career, Jared, that was kind of like the beginning for you. Tell me if I'm wrong, but even from, you know, what we discussed, that was, you know, your first kind of resident major gigs that you were doing but also your beginning of, of working with kicks, right? Yeah. Yeah, so to, for you that worked, that was like the launching period for you so yeah. you look back on it and say wow i remember those days and look where you've got to now <laughs> yeah yeah i still remember the first gig they did academy um but no. I, I remember even like the days before then like when i'd just as a punter would go there and be like mm. like milk bar nick was playing in the candy bar and yeah ash ash downstairs or chris fraser or you know i still remember those days too like and then it's sort of change and and kind of went I don't know I think that was that period where it sort of dropped down again and then I started DJing first first gig I ever played there was a phone party Thursday night phone party and it was <laughs> wild it was there was so many people there and it was that was awesome and then I think the second gig I played was like a Friday night and it was like an opener to it I'm pretty sure it was TV rock at the time and it was one of the first Fridays they'd opened after they'd been closed down for a bit and it was like there was like two people in the club. So I went from playing like a full club of rowdy phone party patrons to to two people like the next gig. <laughs> like, oh, maybe this club isn't what, it, what I thought it was. Um, but then, you know, got a few more gigs after that and then realised that like, okay, now Fridays are just like they're just starting out and, you know, they're working on it um, and just, you know, love playing whatever night it was really. I didn't care. I just loved playing. So, yeah, no, it definitely was the sort of start of um, the career, I guess, in DJing and then led to other things eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that was the interesting thing about the 
one of the themes of it that I came across was that how it did cha- in if if not so much just being a DJ, but it shaped people's uh, futures in different ways, and it shaped what has happened in Canberra to this day. So things like your restaurants wouldn't be there without Academy in some part, and that path all lined up perfectly. Did you feel that kind of? Uh, Ash said it in the docker that it did influence his uh, his future by playing as a resident at Academy. Yeah, I guess, yeah, to a degree. I, mean, I don't know. It'd be hard to be interesting to see if I put myself in those same shoes and just I was just a DJ and never end up like involved in the business side of it. Yeah, but had, even had that, it, even that. Yeah, what yeah. I would have ended up, I don't know, yeah. like, you know, who, who knows where I would have gone. But, um, yeah, the fact that I got involved in the business side through Kicks first of all, because um, Kicks and Tame was doing all the marketing and booking all the acts for Academy at the time, getting through that and then eventually running Academies, um, all marketing and bookings and everything. Um, yeah, like I just learned so much about the business side of hospitality really it wasn't just nightclubs it wasn't just um academy itself like i learned so much so much that could be applied to any business it wasn't just necessary hospitality as well um and i think a lot of the other people that were you know chris fraser and lawrence and yourself like you know you even though you were you weren't really involved in the business side of it you would have been involved with a lot of guys that were so you like learned so much and has progressed your career as well um and, you know, guys like I worked, you know, directly with Frank who's in the documentary and Paul Cubbon and Lawrence and Ryan and, you know, a whole bunch of guys that were really um, – who were all really successful, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was able to learn so much from them and, and sort of pick and choose, like, you know, the things that they did really well or things that maybe they, some of them didn't do that well and, and, you know, try and take those skills and make them my own and eventually do my own business. So, um but yeah, I guess that platform gave me the opportunities to see what could be done, really. Like, and not just the club, but the festivals too, because the festivals were on a whole nother level. You know, trying to get twenty five thousand people at one spot in one time is huge logistics mm. and marketing, and you know, there's so much involved in it. And seeing that firsthand gave me an idea, and seeing like, okay, well, this is what they did to get to make that happen. Or like, what could I do? do something even on a much smaller scale or um, and learn yeah, different skills from those different people. Um, and, yeah, this is, I guess that's how I end up here. Yeah. Then we got Lazy Sue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously it took a few years but then got yeah. there and Lazy Sue was, came from, I guess, nightclubs in a way because I wanted to create that. Well, I obviously love the experience that nightclubs gives you. You know, you come in. Music's going, you know, people are having a great time. Um, there's so many elements to it to create a really good environment in a nightclub and I wanted to create that environment in a restaurant, you know, without sort of maybe the full-onness of a nightclub. Mm. But I wanted people to walk in the restaurant and go, whoa, this is this is fun. You're like, um, I want to have a couple of drinks. I want to have, a, you, know, you know, a good time with my friends. So this is going to be a night to remember. And I felt like a lot of restaurants don't really do that. Um, you know, you just go there and eat and then go home and maybe have a yeah, good conversation or whatever. But 
like I really wanted to create an experience and a night out that people felt like they were getting out of Canberra um, for a night. So that, yeah, that's I guess I wouldn't have been able to do that at Lazy Sue without the nightclub experience. Like I wouldn't know the ingredients involved to create that experience. You know, it's like great music, great lighting, um, obviously good food, but the drinks and like the whole experience comes together and it wouldn't have been as good or even possible if I didn't have the experience of the nightclubs. Hmm. Yeah, what, what do you, do you think that's uh, one of the parts of the success and longevity of Lazy Sue? Because in, in Canberra it's kind of notorious that the turnover of places are really fast and there's always something new. We talked to tonight about some places are already reinventing themselves. Do you think, what do you think that is in Canberra with, with that sort of hospo industry? Oh, I mean, it's pretty natural progression anywhere. It's not just, I wouldn't say it's just Canberra. Like, you know, you come up with a really interesting idea or you're like really passionate about it and then over time that passion wears out and, you know, either you haven't got the right things in place to ensure that success lasts or maybe that idea you had, you know, maybe it was just, cool at the time and doesn't actually have any lunch, um, mm. you know, legs to it. So um, like with Lazy Sue, it's been yeah, five years now. Um, and for us, it was like really, well, for me, really wanted to create a cool brand, a cool experience. And that brand has outlasted, I think, um, and continued to grow over time. So I feel like it's set up for success no matter how long we end up going for. Um, and the we continue to make sure the experience is great at every you know point, as, you know as good as we possibly can. Um, and I think if you're not onto those things, everything just starts wearing out over time. People, customers realize those things. Like you might not notice, or you might think, oh, the customers won't notice a little mark on the floor there, but they do. And like little things over time, and if it gets worse and deteriorates, and you know, eventually people are like, oh, let's go somewhere else, let's go somewhere new, and that's why that sort of happens. Um, but I think if you're on top of those things and you make, and you ensure the experience and you ensure the, you know, the things that you're doing, you're constantly in, you know, being innovative, you're not just sitting there and going, oh, whatever I created is going to work forever. Um, yeah, there's no reason why you can't keep going. Yeah, definitely. And you also innovated a little bit during the lockdown, which kept you going, um, like a lot of businesses in Canberra they had to adapt how is that process uh this last lockdown for you guys yeah it's fun for like a week and then <laughs> <laughs> and it wears out pretty quickly but no like um we just yeah we're, we're I guess we're very proactive and like we we can't just sit there and do nothing we've got to be reach as many people as we can because you know we can only serve so many people within a certain area um, via takeaway, for example. So like, okay, well, you know, we know that there's all these people out in Tuggeranong or Belconnen or Gungahlin or Western Creek, wherever, Queanbeyan, like they can't necessarily drive to Lazy Sioux and, and get dinner. So let, like, let's go to them. Like let's work out how can we do this. Um, and we just logistically worked it out. So we do special nights and go, you know, send as many orders we could to that one area and just send all our drivers um, as fast we you know as fast as we possibly could and kept it 
the food warm. Um, and yeah, try to basically maximize that that way. And that was, I guess that was our idea of trying to get to as many people as we possibly could um, without sort of wearing out the inner north as much as, you know, I felt like that only would last a week or two. You do okay out of it. But yeah, by expanding our reach, we all did really well. So um, comparatively, so yeah, no, it's, it was it was fun for a while, but then I'm I'm pretty glad it's over at the same time. Hey, Jared, you know um, the thing you talked about a moment ago about there being just a natural progression of restaurants having to change and evolve, and if they don't, then eventually, you know, the owners might do something completely different. Do you think Canberrans are slightly spoiled for choice and therefore we tend to gravitate to things that are new and shiny mm. and then we kind of go, well, I've already had that, now I want something else. A little bit like children with toys, right? And I have heard mm. this, not from you, from, from other business owners, and it kind of sounds very negative too, but, you know, Canberra audiences are fickle. This is what I hear. But I, I don't I don't think that's either particularly true. And, in fact, I, I think they're probably talking about specific people that could be attributable to any place, not just Canberra. But do you, do you think it's part of not so much the restaurant but also the audiences that no matter how good something is, we sometimes just want change for the sake of change in the words new attached to something and a new place to go just because it feels good. Once again, it adds to the extra experience of having a new experience, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like every, everything's when something's new comes out. Like it doesn't matter. It's not just restaurants. Like, you know, a People new, swarm new iPhone yeah. comes out. Everyone yeah. goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. you know. um, but, you know, like I think new only sticks if it actually is better. You know, if it's just a cool idea at the time where people go there and go, oh, Actually, I kind of prefer the other place I went last time. Like, you know, people will draw like draw to a new place immediately, but it doesn't necessarily last. Mm. Um, so I think if you continue doing what you're doing, and you know you, what you do is is good, and you know customers enjoy it, then either stick with it or maybe you need to innovate slightly to catch yeah. up. You know, you only really need to innovate if you're falling behind in, in a way. If, if you're already doing everything well and and people are enjoying it, then I think stick with it, mm. even if there is a new place down the road. Um, because I think eventually customers, if they do go there, down the road, then they'll come back, yeah. you know, so. I I you have a lot of loyalty though, right? If, if, if you looked at your customers, just the whole entire 100%, yeah. how many of them would be just roughly in percentage, like loyal customers that just repeat over and over again? Um, as a percentage. Oh. Like roughly. Just. Oh, I'd, like I'd say... 25 percent okay because i think lazy sue draws a um you know a moving crowd too you know because because it's a place to go out like i'd say it's it's a hard question to answer <laughs> because i think we get a lot of especially before lockdown we would get a lot of tourists coming mm. being on lonsdale street um you know it's considered a place to go when you're in canberra um so you get people coming down and just popping in and, and booking a table. Um, and we get a lot of Sydney siders, a lot of people from, you know, Victoria, a lot of people, um, you know, from Queensland, whoever's in town. But, um, yeah, we've I, I noticed our, our loyalty really shine through lockdown. You know, by doing everything online, we were able to see, like, okay, who's ordering, how many orders mm -hmm. they're doing. So you're able to track it a bit better than when people just come in with their friends and, because, you know, not necessarily just because I might go five times in a week, but I necessarily didn't book the table five times in that week. You know, who knows? Um, so, yeah, 
during lockdown, it was really interesting to see. And the, we, loyalty, and the loyalty really sort of shined and, and it really kind of – the fact that we were able to pivot so quickly, was, I think, because we had a really good brand um, and, yeah, strong marketing that we were able to get out straight, like, almost immediately. Um, and, it was like, we were kind of – when lockdown first got announced, we are like, do we close down completely for a few days and just see what happens or do we just switch to takeaway next day? And just run with it, and we we're kind of debating it for a bit. And I was like, "No, we we like we have to go to takeaway immediately. Otherwise, you know, we kind of lose the traction. We need to be on it immediately." And so people still think, "Oh, we're available." Mm. And so we did that, and, and I think it worked in our favor in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the places that closed down for say two or three weeks and then try to reopen found it much harder to gain that traction back. You lost the momentum. Yeah. Yep. Would, you, would you agree, if I compare this to Academy, though, so roughly 25%, right? It's a quarter yeah. of, of your people are kind of I mean, loyalty. Yeah, maybe roughly. hard, yeah. Let, let's just let's park it at that. What's interesting is if you look at Academy, remember how we used to talk about the one-year rule? And so you used to kind of capture people at the beginning of the year. And I would hazard a guess it's probably the exact opposite. About 75% of their audience would just be return Academy loyals who'd just be there practically every yeah. second weekend or so. And you'd see them for a year until their social kind of habits change and they start going, you know what, maybe I won't do nightclubs anymore and they'll start going to bars and stuff, right? Yeah. But they just progress out of it. And then we try to capture a new market and then we've yeah. got them, you've got them for a whole year. So it's kind of funny that you're talking about that loyalty in that yeah. way. But for nightclubs, it was at least at Academy, it was almost a flip. It'd be a yeah, lot of people, I, similar I, faces every weekend. I definitely think like long, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was that more so in Canberra because there wasn't a whole lot of places to go. Now there's like so much choice, like expecting people to come to you almost every weekend. And maybe nightclubs are still like barely similar because there's not a whole lot of nightclubs out there. Um, But like for a restaurant, for example, like there's so many restaurants in Canberra, like expecting our customers to come to our restaurant every single week is like pretty unrealistic. And maybe some do, but like I don't think there's that many that do. And, and maybe your burgers at uh, baby suit <laughs> might be a different yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so yeah, no, like it is interesting, but it's it's also that you only have every business has its demographic, and that demographic eventually moves on. Like Lazy Sue's primary like primary demographic is twenty five to thirty five year olds, really. So they may come for a few years, and then they you know maybe they go they have start having kids or they move out to so the suburbs. I'm out. Well, like, you know, and then they might not come to us anymore or they come once a year rather than every couple of weeks, you know. So, yeah, that changes. Same as nightclubs. Like you'd see people for a year or two yeah. and then yeah. next minute they've, they've moved on because they don't want to go to nightclubs anymore and then you get the next age very, group very coming through. Very 20s demographic at yeah. most. Yeah. 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 You, when you – because you used to be quite the loyal punter. Yeah. So do, when yeah. At, at the highlights – sorry, high ends – sorry – the best days of when you used to go to academy, like mm. the highlight during that period, would you be there once a week, every two weeks? Yeah, once, once a, a week. Like, because yeah. I academy opened the year I turned eighteen, or or the year before I turned eighteen. So it was it was like the hype was all all there at that time, mm. and I'd be I'd go there pretty regularly. And, um, and wouldn't you also recognise? The vast majority on the people on the dance floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what, what you're saying is, yeah, yeah, definitely right. I reckon um, it was like a, like Jim said it in the doco. It was like a community of people would, <laughs> you know, all get go there and see the same people every mm. week. 
and that was that was part of it. That was before um, like Facebook and yeah. all these other networking. That was where the networking was done. And that's in, where you talked about music. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's where you talked about music, where yeah. you learn about it. It was all. Uh, and dance yeah. music was kind of, was kind of, this is crazy new. Like, well, not crazy, but like it was very different back then to what mm. it is now. It's very like, it's obviously very mainstream now. But back then it was like, oh, you know, oh, you're into house music. Oh, okay. That's, well, that's really cool. You know, we can have a conversation about that. But now it's like, oh, you're into house music. Like, yeah. What's, the, what even is that like? We were the OG here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was like it? That, I'm, I kind of, I was a little bit after that. I was a couple of years after that. So I kind of wish I was, you know. I think when I first started DJing Academy, there was still like the Facebook groups and there's still like, um, what was that? It was like a forum. MySpace. MySpace. Like there's certain, there's like Academy yeah. Canberra forums that like yeah. people all talked about. Even I remember the first couple of gigs I played, there'd be people talking on the forum about who played that weekend and what they thought of their sets. Really? Like you just wouldn't have that anymore. No. Nah. You know, it's and people like you just wouldn't have that same community. People just going out like appreciating the music as much as they did back then. Mm. I think like if you do, I would I would argue that it's within much more niche much, genres. Yeah, yeah exactly. But in terms of mainstream house and I mean, like stuff. to the level of academy, you yeah, know, you, yeah. you might have a hundred people that are interested in that niche, you know, genre. Yeah, exactly. But you're not going to fill academy at six hundred people, yeah. or like you know, and kind of the um. The resident thing, I don't know if uh, you think that's kind of changed, but back when you guys were residents, it was like everyone knew you guys. It was yeah. like your your names and faces were up on posters all around the city. Yeah. We, that still kind of happens, but it doesn't seem to be that sort of level where everyone knew about you. Mm. Was that something you noticed at the time, like that sort of – Celebrity, almost. Like. <laughs> I didn't say it was celebrity, but and you know, actually, I just within the community, within it the was, community. yeah. So, but you know, Jared and I didn't have agents. I mean, you didn't have a booking agent. I didn't. Pretty sure Chris didn't. Uh, I, sorry, Rob didn't. I, so I think if I go through, Fred didn't. Yeah, they didn't. So essentially, mm. what was great about that it was you're very much a self-made DJ that gets recognized for the music and the sets and how you make people feel. So therefore they know you from that. It's not like there's an agent pushing an agenda through nah. social podcasts, newspapers, articles. In fact, you have to kind of do your own legwork if you wanted to get that out there. Um, and yeah, look, I, it most certainly felt really good. But what felt great about it was the random walk-ups at, I don't know, Canberra Centre on a Saturday afternoon when I was buying something at David Jones and somebody walks up and says, I was there last night. It was awesome. I love how you dropped that track. <laughs> and I'm thinking people pay attention enough to remember the, the night yeah. and then spot me and say hello. And, and that part of it or that experience that you connected with people, even though you didn't technically didn't meet them on the night, I thought was amazing. And that part of it gave me a huge head and I've been <laughs> not fitting into small nah, rooms. Not, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, what about... Uh, you through lockdown actually continued did did you kind of turn to that music production side of what you do a bit uh during lockdown and yeah um sort of making some new tunes in the, in sure. the home studio yes indeed but you know what the funny thing about that is it's not like lockdown happens and then you know a whole bunch of time just becomes available and you're thinking great i'll smash out more music that's always the plan 
But the reality is other things get in the way. So there's other projects that come up, people brainstorm ideas, I've got clients that want some creative solutions. And in fact, the time that I thought I had spent gets filled up with other things and it's not Netflix either. Um, so actually, I would probably argue that the yeah the rate of production has been maybe just 15%, 25% quicker <laughs> than, than normal. But yeah, I haven't been prolific in kind of getting tunes out. Yeah. Um, just because Here's I haven't one. had the time. You've had a couple out during this time. It's true. This, it's a new one, is it? It is. Actually, that's just come out. Yeah. I think it'll be up on Spotify pretty soon too. Mm. It's very Royce Cop, don't you think? Just wait till this. <laughs> Hands in the air. Great. Have great you got problem. a laser in here or something? <laughs> okay, listen to this bit. King George is local too. So how, how do you juggle your uh, all your uh, your uh, pseudonyms? <laughs> <laughs> the most named man in Canberra or something? Oh really? Hang on. There's there's my real name, Ashley Jesse. There is. How do you how do you decide which name to tell people when people are like oh? Depends what they're talking to me about. Oh okay, so it depends. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there's Ashley for all the kind of creative projects and, and DJing stuff. Magnific is the original productions. And then there's a, a sub thing that I do, which is called Mateus, but that's really small. So there's only those. It's not like that many. I'm not like hips of DJs <laughs> who've got like 20 different names, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's not that bad. No, nah, no, nah, it's good. It's Just good. one of them is very difficult to pronounce. So yeah. that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if you're like, if it, oh, you're just like, oh, it's too hard. I'll just... My last name's for Roy. Like. Well, that's, well, that's yeah. how that was born because I remember the very first gig I got, which was actually at uh, Heaven, uh, a nightclub that used to exist in Civic uh, a long time ago. And they needed a name for the poster that I was doing on a, for a Thursday or Friday night. And I kind of thought, I can't put Majeski on there. Like, people won't be able to read that. It's just, so I'm thinking, okay, let me, let me think of a name. And I always really liked this French designer called Louis Ferro. Uh, the clothing designer and really liked the way his name looked in terms of the spelling oh, yeah. of it and, and it's a weird aesthetic thing right and I went great I'll just pop an E at the end of it I've got a slight French heritage so I'm thinking great <laughs> it's not too fake it still <laughs> sounds European I'm going with it yeah, and well, it's stuck I didn't, didn't realise that yeah I didn't know that yeah. that's yeah. awesome that's how that was yeah. and, and you know for years people completely knew me by the name. Actually, I think there's a lot of people that still think that's that's actually yeah. my real name. Well, I thought for years I thought that was your name. I should just change it. And yeah. it. But then my father would get upset. I have no son. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get one project with the original name one day from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, what what else is uh, coming up, guys? What, uh, what can we expect... Uh, First from you, Ash, in the next uh, few months as more uh, dance floors open, more uh, <laughs> more people get out and about. What are we? Uh, what can we expect? Sure. Um, I mean, look, if 
I don't know about dance floors because a lot of the places I play these days is more sitting around with an expensive cocktail and looking fancy. Um, so probably more for Jared's types these days. But uh, look, that, you can definitely see me in, in heaps of different lounges and, and bars and places in Canberra. I'll be DJing for on weekends for sure. Um, some events are kicking back off again. So ACT government's putting a whole bunch of th things up through events ACT. Um, so I'll be doing those. There's a couple of creative things that are popping up as well that I'll be part of. Um, lots of more music to <laughs> get yeah, out there. So we can expect some more? Yeah, yeah. In fact, there's at least another two before the end of the year and quite a few after that. It just kind of worked out that way. Again, that 25% extra must have already paid off. Um, so that part of it. And that's it. I, you know, I'll keep on going with the home stories. The podcast keeps going as well. In fact, I really should get you on it. That'd be, <laughs> That'd be a fun chat. Yeah, Especially since you gave me that free plug a moment ago. <laughs> now I owe you. Um, but yeah, so aside from that, that's probably enough. And apart from that, just normal work at the University of Canberra is keeping really busy as well. It's, cool. it's kind of exciting to get, you know, everything back to normality on the campus there and get the community of students, students back in mm -hmm. yeah and international students as well from next year so that's that's kind of pretty exciting it's mm. really changes a place when you've got students at a university yeah. yeah um so that's pretty exciting so yeah that's kind of probably enough for the time being right that's plenty plenty to do and how about Sounds you jared oh just we getting a uh, baby sue chain <laughs> spreading across country anytime soon um not yet i mean well, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I just want to really get through the end of the year and then, you know, reset for next year. And yeah, there's definitely, I've got itchy feet, so there's definitely going to be a new business at some point. But mm. uh, what that is and, you know, whether it's lazy something or something Sue related or, or whether it's something completely different, um, you know, we've got lots of ideas and concepts. It's actually just going and do them, doing them. Um, so it's... Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's just, very, just settling in, I guess, after a rough yeah. uh, couple of years. I've just been waiting out through COVID and then, yeah, I think look at next year and really look at something something different, something cool. Cool. Yeah. So we can expect something probably next year? Yeah, I think something definitely next year. It's just what that is. Don't awesome. know. I don't even know. The myself. same team behind it? Don't know. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's still, yeah. But, uh, I have, there's nothing confirmed or nothing in the works yet. Oh, so we can't we'll get just, the exclusive. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I got nothing to tell you other than people um, watching can write in with their ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely send them through. What they want to see in Canberra. Um, but yeah, now we got a few ideas that we've always sort of wanted to do, um, and things that I've really wanted to do. So yeah, we'll just see, see what happens. So good. Well, thank you guys for coming in. That's. Uh, it's been awesome to chat and catch up. And Hang on, how about yourself? What have you got on the cards? Um, with the Academy doco out, we don't have much planned coming up. We've got a new video coming out this weekend, actually. Um, I do. Um, the blank walls of Braddon um, mm -hmm. are coming down. So there's a new mural. People probably would have seen it on... Uh, Lonsdale Street. It's on the new build. Yeah, new on the yeah. new building on the corner. So we did. We talked to the painters and the artists behind that project. So there'll be something coming out at the end of the week on that. Um, Is that the work that um, Yanni? Uh, Stavros. Oh, like a different different one. Uh, Stavro yeah, yeah. Um, is the owner, the developer there, uh, part of a, a festival that's coming to town soon, mm -hmm. the Surface Fest. So we did a little thing on that. And um, we'll have more podcasts, a few more before the end of the year. 
few more of these. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I have to find a new 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 main project to do. So if anyone's got any ideas, we'll be doing another doco on something. The lazy mm. Sue story. Yeah, the lazy Sue story. What maybe. really happens in the kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a good idea. But yeah, no, plenty going on. Thank you, thank you, Ash. Do um, the story of Ashley Ferrard, don't you? Yeah, the biopic. Where did the name come <laughs> from? <laughs> yeah. How does he say so young? All the clubs he's played at. <laughs> Can he still hear? <laughs> Why hasn't he aged? <laughs> What's he drinking? Yeah. Is it blood? The stupid thing about me being a vampire, that, that would be a good one to, mm. to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Sold. There you go. Done. All right. Stay tuned for the next film festival. We'll be there. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us in the flats. Thank you again to our sponsors, Capital, for helping out. And uh, we'll be back soon. Catch you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.